I can't imagine what that must be like after running your heart out, looking up at the scoreboard and seeing that you are the fastest mm -hmm. human ever. <laughs> I mean, there's seven or eight billion people now, yeah. but in the, in the history of human beings, there's been a hundred <laughs> billion people. Yeah. To be the fastest person on earth over a specific kind of distance, right? The 400 meters, which is yeah. apparently what I've heard the hardest out of all One of the, the distances yeah. must've been a mind blowing experience and feeling. Take four. Take four, <laughs> anyway. So yeah, how was your 2023, man? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, um, 2023, I feel like it's finally going into that positive direction that I've been working towards uh, since 2017 when I got hurt. Yeah. Um, so it was a constant, Back and forth, somewhat of a roller coaster, um, overcoming whatever challenges comes with an injury. And I think coach gave me a call a few weeks before or just after Christmas. And it was like, you officially ranked number one um, for 2023. So it's definitely been positive. It's definitely been somewhat of a win for myself. I know my standards are quite high and um, being able to call myself a double world champion, Olympic champion and the world record holder, the level of perfectionist is a bit toxic or a bit mm. too extreme. So I need to find a way to calm that down a bit and just appreciate these little wins and being yeah. ranked number one for 2023. I think that's something that I need to be grateful for. I think with you, you exploded mm -hmm. onto the scene. It felt like to a lot of people, I think out, yeah. of, out of nowhere, obviously uh -huh. you had been training for years and years mm -hmm. and competing for years and years. I felt like you just came onto the scene and you broke the, the world record. And that's kind of when everyone took note of you really, mm -hmm. was it? To an extent, I guess so. Um, but, but being a world champion and a record holder as well, you also realize that it's not necessarily exploding on the scene. It's more the hype and uh, the hot thing at the moment. And I think that's the thing of social media now and um and of how society is right now is like we're all going for the hot thing at this moment yeah. so I, I would say yes i was the hot thing at that moment and it's easier to identify these things with, with social media you're constantly seeing someone winning you constantly see someone else being a champion or breaking through and especially as south africans it's one thing on another because we love sports and we're always uh backing sports so i wouldn't say i just jumped onto the scene it was just more like it was my time it was my season yeah. and now everyone was backing me and supporting me and, and that's how i see it because if i look at things now i'm not the hottest athlete out there but i mean all of a sudden when i see the conversations that people try we were speaking about awkward conversations the conversations that people trying to have with me and so on and they were like um where have you been all these years are you still running are you yeah. still competing so it's not that people that i just came out of the blue it's just that people follow you once you start achieving and yeah. it's just the reality of how it is it is quite uh -huh. a sad quite a sad reality yeah. and um like you say everything's like you're hot now mm -hmm. and then you kind of stop performing at that insane high level for a little bit because of, in your case, yeah. an injury, right? Uh -huh. So you broke the record in 2016, right? Yes. And then you got injured in 2017. 17. And what was the injury? ACL. I tore my ACL and damaged my meniscus. So it was quite a big injury. Did you ever get to that point where you're like, I've done everything basically. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I'm struggling so much. 
did you ever have that doubt creeping where you're like, maybe I should just quit? All the time, all the time. But that brings me back to um, why are you so hard on yourself? And this helped me a lot, 2023. Um, I, heard, I, I don't know if it was a video I watched or something that I read. And <clears throat> someone asked me, or oh, I asked myself, I can't re- recall it, but I recall the, the, the depth of the substance of that message was, um, if you look at the people around you, you are extremely lenient. So if you look at the people that do you wrong or the people that test your patience or people that question you too much and so on, you're extremely lenient with them. But the moment you need that leniency for yourself or you having to be lenient on yourself, you can't be that person for yourself. And Mm. I've been very conscious of that and be very aware of that because if my little sister would do something that I'm not happy with, I can forgive her very easily because I was like, her intentions are pure or what she did came from a place of a good heart and she really just wanted to support me and love me. And if I think of that same direction for myself, maybe I'll then appreciate those uh, wins and victories a bit more when you sit back and you're like, but wait, you did give your best this year. You did give all you have, um, you were, you went out of your way to make sure that you eat a certain way and um, you make sure that your nutrition is on point, you you make sure that your recovery is on point, um, you tried your best to make sure that your travels are, are, are ones that make life easy for you and comfortable mm. for you and you've done all the steps that creates an environment that makes you happy. So why are you so hard on yourself when you didn't quite get to where you want to be uh, in terms of a medal or in terms of a victory or in terms of that. And that helped me a lot this year. Just to sit, take a step back and say, why are you so hard on yourself? Like, you are winning in so much different areas. Mm-hmm. Let's be happy for that. Are, are you going to be competing in the 2024 Olympics? That's the goal. Um, and uh, this year, I think, is going to be a little bit more special than previous years. Um, my sister also qualified for the Paris Olympics. So we're going to be two siblings at the Olympic Games. So I'm excited. and, and I What think is she competing She in? does the field hockey. Okay. Yeah. So I'm excited and it, it kind of gives me also a lot of inspiration for this upcoming season because last year um, I was still questioning myself, like what's my goals? What do I want to achieve? What's possible? Where do I want to be at? And, and, and I think... It's important just to, like we said, um, soak in today and then allow the next few months or weeks or whatever else to pan itself out. Mm. And then um, I know what I'm capable of and we know what my abilities are. We know what my strengths are. So let's just run and see where that takes us. So I'm allowing my goals to kind of grow onto me for 2024, if that mm. makes sense. Are you going to try and break your record this year? Do you think it's possible? I wouldn't call it impossible, but there is also like a reality to it. Um, look, the process is not just wake up and break a record. No. So I have to also be reali- re- re- realistic to what my last few years looked like. So I'm going to have to reflect on 
2017 I was injured 2018 I still had niggles 2019 I had niggles 2020 I came through a bit little bit more 2021 it looked better 2022 I finished the season 2023 I ended up number one in the world but if you look at time wise I'm still a good second off of mm. where I need to be so that's gonna mean I'm gonna need to go an entire second faster than what I did. Which doesn't uh, sound like much to people that don't watch exactly, sports that much, but, but I know exactly. It's so if I give you a little bit of background of before I broke the record, I was half a second away from uh, the world record the year before. So the year before I was 44, 40 something, 44, 43, 40 something, sorry. Mm. So my best time for 20. 15 was 43.48. I think that was the time. And then the next year was the 43.03. So within a year, I took half a second off. So if we're going to look at my history as an athlete, then maybe this upcoming year, I would then like to believe that I'll be maybe between 43 something mm. because that's the history of what I've done in track. And then the year after that, we can then start looking what the possibilities are. But I guess I also have the advantage of I've achieved it before. So I do know... Your body is physically capable of I doing it. I do know it, yeah. that I've done it before. So I just need to position myself to be back there again. So that's why I said I wouldn't wipe it away this year. But I also need to be realistic of mm. it's a stepping stone. It's a process that I need to take to get there. So yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm open-minded. Mm. I'm just going to, I do the hard work. I do what needs to be done. And once the season goes and once I'm start running again and competing and You'll see how come, it goes, yeah. confidence starts building and um, you start feeling comfortable in your skin again. And, and once you forget about all things and also another thing that's important is staying healthy the entire season, making the right decisions to stay healthy the entire season, no niggles, no injuries. And all that builds onto your confidence. And as that confidence comes, anything is possible. And um, when you were younger, did you were, you, were you quite an active kid? I mean, did you play very, a lot of sports? Very, everything, everything. Like what? Um, so growing up in Cape Town, I did rugby, cricket. I even tried out tennis for a bit. <laughs> um, I did track. Um, I think we had like a netball set up once. So you play like a little well. bit of everything. Um, everything, everything. But the core ones was mainly track and and rugby. I actually thought I would be a rugby player one day. And then cricket, I wasn't really good at it, but I enjoyed doing it. So I did it as well. And um, I mean, where do you get your speed from? My speed, ah, it has to be my family. I think it's a, actually it's a very holistic or like an all-round family um, story. Um, so I, I, I love listening, sitting amongst my aunts and uncles and, and they would be telling me the story. So immediately my mom and my dad was big into sports. My mom was uh, a sprinter herself and she did, I think, long jump as well and I know that my dad was also quite quick, but he was more into rugby and high jump and such type of things. And then there's always a story that my aunt tells me that she had the school record and then my mom would come and break her record and then she wants to come and break the record again. So I think all around and 
just a few weeks ago, we sat with my granddad as well. Um, and he was talking about how he used to be such a great goalkeeper and um, he loved cricket as well and played cricket a lot. And growing up as well, I had a very active family. So we would, on Boxing Day, would be like, you know, the beach day. And my dad was actually talking about it now because I was here. And he's like, do you remember the days where the whole family would be on the beach and we all just play touch rugby and people would just join us and so on. So we were very sporty and exposed mm. to sports like on a regular basis. And we were a bunch of boys as well. So we'd always be very competitive, very sporty and always want to see who's the fastest and who can step the other. And, and Well, now so, we know who's the fastest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Now> we know. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you speak about your mom and your auntie always competing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You had that same relationship mm-hmm. with your cousin. Yeah. Who is yeah, yeah. a Springbok. Uh-huh. I mean, Cheslin, yeah. Cheslin we, Colby. So I, I think that was also, but more in the earlier stages of, of, of my childhood, I would say we grew up in, in Kreifontein together and um, that was also always one of those things where we would play touch on the streets and we'll just get together and we're like, let's do this, let's do that. And even at school, um, I think we did compete with each other now and then. I just have to recall, um, but he was a year or two younger than me. So we didn't always compete or play together because, you know, mm. in school they, they set us up in, in grades. But then away from school, we were like always so excited as cousins to make a team because we know nobody can beat us. And no one can catch you like, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was always fun, yeah. Because he's one of the fastest players as well in rugby, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he's hands down uh, officially my favorite uh, rugby player of all time. And I'm not even being biased. I Dude, he's one people, of my favorite as well. He's really incredible. People really can't even deny it or... or, or or argue it. I mean, I used to be a massive Dan Carter fan was when I was younger, but now it has to be Cheslin and it makes it even so much sweeter that we have the history and it's it's such a close relationship. So um yeah, I think I'm I'm really I think this is also a beautiful moment for us to just give him his flowers. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been a massive inspiration for us um South Africans and sports people itself. Um just before world championships as well, um they released that um video of all the Springboks and there was a moment where he honored me as well. I was like, this is so insane. And I saw they were they were all saying yeah. like their their family members exactly. or people that they wanted yeah, yeah, to yeah. kind of just this mm-hmm. is for I saw um exactly. Sia did Sivengezi exactly who I had on the yeah. podcast okay. as well. Okay. And I thought that was so beautiful man. People yeah, like it's amazing. People like Siv um, mm. the Springboks, you guys, mm-hmm, I, f- mm-hmm. I feel like you're really leading the way when it comes to South African and, and, and our hope for yes. a better future. Yes, yes. You know, all, all of our athletes, and I said it uh, to someone the other day, I was like, it's so uh, incredible to have such inspirational athletes mm-hmm, in our mm-hmm. country because there's so many issues here. Yeah. But um, I feel like the way we represent ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like obviously our government doesn't represent us always yeah, in the best way, yeah. but the way we represent ourselves, mm-hmm. I feel like is so incredible on a world stage. And you look at our athletes, yeah. you look at Sia Khaleesi, you look at Cheslin Colby, mm-hmm. you look at you, right? Mm-hmm. And you're such humble guys. When you speak, you speak so beautifully. And um, I just think, especially the, the most recent example of this is the yeah, Rugby World, the Cup, World Cup, right? For sure. Where it just changes the way everyone feels mm-hmm. in the country when our athletes uh, kind of show the world who we are, mm-hmm. you know, and and demonstrate what we stand for in the most yeah. beautiful ways. Yeah, I definitely feel like if, we, if we're talking about a powerhouse in something, that's us. We are powerhouses in sports. And I've seen it 
in more than just the highlight sports that we have. I think if we take time to invest um, the right resources, time and efforts into our sporting industries and 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 and, and I guess areas that that needs time and and if it we can be a, a all-round sporting maker powerhouse, like to, yeah. powerhouse in in every area um because that's what we love as south africans if we look at what brings us joy what brings us uh strength and what brings us together it's sports i mean mm-hmm. the amount of people that i've heard even till today as as uh, after seven years um after breaking the world record, people still come to me. Wait, I can't be. Uh, I can't believe I'm meeting you. Um, I can't. I will never forget the day I woke up three o'clock in the morning to watch your race. And and these type of moments is so massive for us to, um, as athletes and as sports people, not to take for granted because we know how much it means to us. I am a, a track athlete and I've achieved a lot. But the moment any other sporting um, categories about to do a world championships or about to represent us we're excited and we're behind mm. them if, i mean even something like netball uh something that i wouldn't really watch it but when there's a world cup or something on you're I'm, gonna watch we're it. watching it we're behind them yeah and, we, and we're supporting them with like not just my sister doing hockey but i think wait sister's moment, also she's here <laughs> by the way she's yeah. sitting watching us <laughs> and she's representing south african yeah. to compete we're excited we want to watch doesn't matter where around the world it is and it's like that in almost every sporting group um and and it's something that i feel like it's our strength as south africans and if we invest the right time and energy into it there's no looking back if, it, if we look at our sporting um accomplishments our sporting yeah. yeah and the way our athletes represent mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. i mean I want to talk about the rugby a little bit more. Yes, I mean, no what was what was that like for you to watch your cousin? Um, I mean, after winning, obviously, the, the 2019 World Cup, mm-hmm. uh, Rugby World mm-hmm. Cup, what was it like watching him yeah. compete and dominate and the rest of the team dominate, really? Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't dominate, but yeah. they, they, they were amazing. Yeah. I mean, they were incredible. What was it like watching them win another Rugby World Cup? 2019 was the first one, right? 2019, yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. was the first one that um, this group won. Um, I think uh, looking back to Cheslin's story, when he um, kind of totally gave up on everything, he was like, um, I'm leaving South Africa, I'm going to France just to play rugby now, do what I love because I probably won't have the chance to play for Springboks again because I know there was a certain image that they wanted, the big boys and the tall boys and the strong boys and... Cheslin just said, yo, like I had a conversation with him just before he left. I was like, yo, I just want to go and enjoy rugby and mm. play for the love of the game. And before you know it, yeah, he makes the Springbok team and he makes the debut. And from there, he's starting to constantly break through and he's destroying the likes of New Zealand and he's destroying the likes of the powerhouses of, this, of the game and the sport. In France. Yeah. and Ireland. And we get to the World Cup and yeah, he goes and scores that winning try against England. And I was in like so much awe and I was like insane. And not just him. I mean, we are speaking about his story because we're family, but mm. the entire team, like I know so much other guys in the team as well. And being able to break through their own unique challenges, the Mampimpi story. and, and Beautiful and story, heartbreaking story. Sia's story as well is one of the most inspiring, mm-hmm. most spo- spoken of um, stories in the country. But there's so much more as well um, that we look at. And 
that's what I love, just listening to those stories. And that's what I honor you for as well. I mean, I love seeing how you've been doing um, your stories as well on representing South Africans and potentially Africans as well and just telling the world of what we have here and, and, and how great we are as a African nation. And mm. I think that's special. And, and being able to win that World Cup as uniting us all and then see a story exploding all over the world. And then I think this year we were very spoiled. Very, yeah. Because we kind of knew how it feels like to be a champion and... um we saw how great the guys were doing, but at the same time, we were so spoiled. Oh, why are they losing? Yeah, why are we not getting this point? And then we saw these guys just started showing us resilience and determination. And um, it was very inspiring to watch this World Cup. And I think it was very powerful to see how they constantly had to doubt themselves and think, hey, are we going to be able to break through? Are we going to be able to go through? Because every knockout around was like one point and we're like, are we going to make it? And so and so I think it's a, a great uh, motivation for us to look forward to 2024 and say, hey, we are, this is in our DNA. We are resilient people. We are powerful people. So why should we limit ourselves? I think there was a lot of moments that I thought were just incredible in the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Two of my favorites were... The first one was when Cheslin charged down that kick yes. from France. <laughs> I think all of us were like yeah. holding our heads in our hands uh -huh. like he was in that game when he, he got sent off. Game, yeah. um, but when he charged that down, I just thought that was just mind-blowing. I'd never seen that before, so uh -huh. it was just insane. Uh -huh. And then the other one was when um, the coach, I've just forgotten his name. Um, I've just forgotten his name. The coach and Sia mm -hmm. were sitting down. Bonk. Yeah, Jacques yeah. and Sia were sitting down mm -hmm. together at a press conference and this yes. kid goes on the mic and says, uh, Sia, can we still win the World, the World Cup, Cup from here? And they just start <laughs> laughing. <laughs> no, but they were very confident, actually. Like, yeah. I loved it. Like, I don't think there was a doubt of us um, being in the finals. Uh, I knew that we would definitely be in the finals, but I think also because of the respect we have for New Zealand, and I guess the history that we have as South Africans with New Zealand, um, that we always knew that was going to be an extremely difficult mm. uh, game and it's going to be one that's not going to be a walk in the park. But that early red card helped us a lot. Yeah. Um, but tapping back into the highlights that you made, like the Sia, I mean, the Cheslin charge down as well, is like, it was insane. Like you, you then see elements and highlights that just inspire so much people and mm -hmm. becomes so great. And then I'm thinking of the press conference as well, what I think was so beautiful and something that I kind of also uh, am somewhat jealous of that team dynamic. Um, the moment a player had a bad game, the team was immediately on top of it and they were yeah. motivating the, uh, the, 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 the guys that had bad games and they were speaking positively about moving forward and um, a lot of people, South Africans would criticize a certain player and immediately the team would be like, no, we're not standing for this. Mm -hmm. we, we're here for a certain purpose and reason and, and I think that was powerful and that was beautiful to me just to see how the guys stood behind each other. And I think that's that's the main reason why I think they deserve to win this World Cup. They were so united and un, like you couldn't shake them. You no. couldn't break them simply because of the bond and the chemistry mm. that they had. And I think that was uh, a, a amazing representation of what we can achieve as South Africans if we just stand together and unite ourselves to a bigger purpose and a bigger goal mm. as, a, as a nation.
I think what's what's hard about what you do, right, mm -hmm. is that like when we look at the rugby team, we say like they all have each other yes. and they're so united. What uh -huh. you do is it's completely mm -hmm. alone, it's right? It's a bit of a lonely, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a lonely route. Very, very yeah. lonely. And when you fall, I mean, I know you have coaches and yeah. friends and family. But we all see you fall alone. Yeah. But you fall by uh -huh. yourself, uh -huh. right? At the, uh, in, the, in the eyes of the world, yes, right? Yes. Um, and to get onto a track and go, everyone's got me to this point. I've got myself to this point. Mm -hmm. Now it's just time to go out and compete. And do it, yeah. This must be insane pressure. Yeah, it is, it is quite tough. I mean, um, I guess that's also what, what the injury has highlighted. Before that, you don't really think about these things. But um, with my journey of, of, a, of, of recovering and coming back to full fitness, I never had, like, if we look, we're speaking about the rugby again, if we look at Sia's story of um, getting injured and getting hurt, within four months, he was so locked in to get back to competing. But we're not 100% sure if he was at 100, 100%. Mm. Where with me, not being 100% means I'm losing a few seconds. You can tell in the milliseconds see, or the seconds, with, yeah. With him, if he's, if he's not 100%, he can still rely on strength on the one side of him and strength on the other mm. side of him and i think that's the powerful story between um having teammates around you that can take that baton from you and push you through where with me it's just like yo if you're not 100 percent, you're not gonna win this race yeah <laughs> yeah that is a tough thing to grapple with and it's um, tough it's tough but i mean that's that's the sport i chose that's the sport that mm. I'm, I'm good at and with that being said also i've had my victories i've had uh great victories over the years yeah, I mean individual literally the greatest exactly. victory so, you can get <laughs> so this is just my time now to to see yeah myself through this journey now to get back to where I want to be amazing well mm -hmm. I can't I can't like I'm so excited to watch you perform <laughs> this year man and yeah. um I mean when you first started training right I know in like places like America mm -hmm. they have like mm -hmm. high-end facilities yeah. and the computers analyzing every movement of every like muscle fiber yeah, yeah, and vein yeah. in your body. Uh -huh. I mean, when you first started training, what was your setup like? No, I love, I mean, we all know, um, I had an old lady, um, Danny Anz, that, um, There's something I wanted to talk me, about. Yeah. That, that coached me and, and, and helped me through the beginning stages of my career. And then after the injury, I switched and tried to seek a bit of a, a different challenge. But I mean, everything was old school. It was about discipline. It was about, do you love what you're doing? It was about um, being early and being on time. It's about making sure that you do your reps on at a certain stage. So there was nothing about extra technologies or extra uh, whatever timing systems mm. or advanced uh, programs or whatever. Everything was just old school. Running uh, down a track with a tire strapped to your back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the some of the parachute workouts that we would do was homemade from her where she took a curtain and she sewed it all together, put a string to it, and now we need to do some resistance training. And, and even some of the, the sled workouts that we did is something that she got built by someone and someone welded together and this is how she wants it to look and put weights on top of it. And then we had to go and work. I'm thinking of some of the the explosive work that we do had to do on box jumps and stuff like that. She would get wood together and get someone to build it. So it was nothing. No, not a big it was budget. All very humble. And if we mm. need to do heels and something, we were like, okay, yes, heels. Yeah, this is what I wanted to look like. And 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 I think that's something that really 
set me up to be the athlete that I am today. Um, and 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 just her humility rubbed off on me. Her hard work, determination. Like if we were five minutes um, early, we are late. And that those principles really helped me a lot during my career, early stage of career. And then we get now we after my my injury, I was seeking a different environment where I want to be around people that's thinking gold medal, people that's thinking world champion and people, because I mean, I was in an environment where I was the only world champion. I was the only gold medal um, prospect around me. And I was like, I, I actually want to feel what it feels like to be around those people that conversate about this all the time. And that's what I seek after my injury. And, and now that I'm in the U S you also see that uh, there's not a massive, massive difference um, in terms of what needs to be done. At the end of the day, hard work is your only mm. thing that you can rely on. Um, like we said, um, it's a it's a bit of a lonely setup and there's only one solution to overcoming that is that your, Just coach, put your, head down. your coach has a program for you and uh, your trainers have programs for you and you need to do it because that's the only way you can achieve. While I was I was looking into uh, Tani Anns, eh? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when I was looking into her, I thought that was such an interesting story. Yeah, that she was your coach because mm -hmm. she, I think, right now she's eighty-one. Yes, and at the time when you broke the world record, she was seventy-four, yeah. seventy-five, or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, what was that dynamic like? Because when you think of like training yeah. to become like a world champion, you often don't think of like a young guy getting trained by uh, older, by yeah. an older lady, you know. So it started off with. Um, so there's this athlete, his name was Tuso Umpang. So he was like my, the person that I looked up, uh, forward or look up to at that age. And I loved his energy and I loved like the way he presented himself on the track. And um, I remember the first time I ever won an, a senior national title was against him. And I won it and the relay after that I injured myself and he carried me to the podium and he came second to me and that time we weren't even we weren't even teammates or anything and I was like I'm so attracted to this person's personality and his mm -hmm. humility and and um I can't believe that I just beat him and he's out here helping me get to the podium to get my gold medal where he came second to and that changed my entire like mentality of what competitiveness looks like. Um, on the track, we need to do our business. We need to do what needs to be done. But off the track, there's a sense of humanity and humility that needs mm. to be practiced. Because you are competing against each other, but at the yes. same time, you're all in the same exactly. industry and sport together. Exactly. You know? And that personality attracted me to want to explore Tani Answers group. And then when I got there, I realized I saw why he had that personality because she had this, this like I call it old school, but I mean, as South Africans, this is how our parents raise us. There's a certain discipline, there's a certain manners, there's certain expectations of you in terms of respect and in, in, and so on. And and those were the principles that I learned from her. And those were the, 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 the things that kind of guided me to then take my work ethic with her work ethic and then uh, create history the way we did and I think that's that's the beautiful I guess combination that we 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 had to be able to um, have someone that keeps you accountable keep you disciplined mm -hmm. keep you uh, respectful and 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 constantly love what you're doing and um, I think that's that's 
the core parts of what I learned when I when I worked with Tanians. And you're not going to talk back to Tanians. Never. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> she'll, she'll smack you with a spoon. <laughs> no, Tanians is Tanians is like it's proper. It's discipline. Mm. It's manners. It's so she will be extremely upset with you if you if you if you don't pr- uh, practice those principles and disrespect her. Yes. Yeah. No, there's you know how it goes. Yeah. This is the way things are done, and this is the way things are going to happen. And I think as a young athlete, that's what you need. You need that discipline. You need that direction. You need that people that will help you and that strict, firm decision making, so that you know this is what needs to be done from me. And then afterwards, when you're older, you can start uh, thinking of other directions. So I want to get to your world-breaking run mm-hmm. at the Rio Olympics. Right? Mm-hmm. It was Rio, right? Yes. So can you just tell me about the few days before mm. you hit the track? What was happening there? What was your mentality? What was what was going through your head? Yeah. And uh, just if you have any like interesting stories from things that happened along the way, I'd love to hear those yeah. or funny ones. <laughs> so we'll talk about um, the opening ceremony is, is from the first memories that I have at Rio. Um, so we entered Rio and we, we were a group of athletes. I remember... The roommates that I had was Akani Simbini, um, Rashwal Samai, and Enrico Brenkis. And we got there and we all got our kits and everything and we're putting on our kits and our kits are sitting on, on us like parachutes and all of us are like, how can they get us these type of kits? And, uh, and we're all fighting. And that was kind of one of the more funniest stories. And we'd walk out to the corridors and we see the entire team's kit is a little bit too big for them. And I know it became a whole thing at the opening ceremony and, and people <laughs> were making fun of us. And so I didn't know about that. But we were like, just like happy. And we were just so excited that we, yeah, it's like, it was like our first, I think it was my first Olympics, my first Olympics. And we were all just excited. We, yeah. And that's when they were like, wait, you carrying the the, the flag. You were the flag bearer for South Africa. I was like, what? Like, look at the guys behind me. It's like the Sevens team, which I was a massive fan of. And then the likes of Chad and all the athletes like Caster and Akani and Rashwal and all the amazing athletes around me. And I was like, this this can't be true that I'm I'm carrying the flag for this whole country. And at the same time, I was like thinking of like, every single sporting hero that I really admired um, over the years. And I was like, I am now that person. And and that kind of shook me. And that kind of like, as we were walking out, and I remember there was a moment where I looked back and I just saw all these faces and all these personalities. And this is people that I find ins- inspiring. And I looked back and I was like, starting to count all the gold medals behind me. Like I already started sitting, I was like, this group is going to get a gold medal. This person is getting a gold medal. And I'm the one representing all of them. And I was like, there's no way I can take this moment lightly. This is a country that is filled with gold medalists. This is a country filled with champions. And I'm representing um, this country. And at that moment is where I decided I have to, it's win, win or no other option. Mm. And... As the rounds went by, I felt extremely confident. I stepped into everything. And the year before was my first gold that I won at the World Championship. So at the Rio Olympics, I kind of knew that, okay, if I'm a gold medalist now, getting gold now shouldn't be... It should be possible. It shouldn't be impossible. Yeah. It should be possible. It should be 
I'm able to do it. But when you're in the moment, it's a different story. Like you start questioning yourself, you start mm-hmm. doubting yourself. I was a kid that had a lot, like I lacked a lot of confidence. I was always in my head. I was always like uh, very vulnerable to anything and mm-hmm. always doubted myself and questioned myself and so on. But at the same time, the environment was so amazing. So I would enter the editor's lounge and I'll see my face all over it and just the environment. Everyone was like so supportive, everyone was so excited. My funny enough, I had my I invited my entire family, like my aunts, my my aunts, my parents, my grandparents. Everyone was there. We were like eleven of us. I know a lot of people yes. don't like to do that because yeah. it adds more pressure. To me, I was just like I won last year. I have the opportunity to bring my family. Mm. So I was just careless. I was just like. Wow, I'm. I was like cloud <laughs> nine. I was like, I'm getting to. Tra- my family's allowed to travel with me. I'm, I'm, I'm able to get them to experience the life that I'm living. So mm. there was nothing to it. And then um, the heats stepped into the heats. Finished semifinals. Stepped into the semifinals. Went on. And when we got to the finals, and then it all hit me. And I was like, We're here. We yeah. We about to win. I mean, we're about to compete and um, now it's to see who's the best in the world. And and Olympics was something that was like the ultimate of the ultimate for every athlete. And this is like our Ballon d'Or performance or our World Rugby World Cup performance or Football World mm-hmm. Cup, the Olympics. That's our, our thing. And I sat there and... Um, I did a podcast not too long ago and and this was my reality of what I went through was um as the the thing started I, I remember laying on the bed and um in tears because my body was feeling fatigued and tired and hamstring was feeling uncomfortable back was 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 very um sensitive and in that moment your emotions are like so loud mm. and and all that doubts and fears just started jumping onto me and I started questioning myself like crazy. I remember being in tears for a bit and as the first year finished, I put on my, my hoodie, zipped it up, put in my earphones and I was like, yo, shake this off. A job needs to be done. Like you can't be sulking and being all sad in a moment where this could change your life. Mm. And um, from there, we move on to the call room and as we get to the courtroom, um, you see all your competitors and the nerves is like crazy that time. You're just going crazy and you look at the names around you. And it's like, okay, this one I can't take lightly because he's got this history and he's this amazing. And there was two athletes that I really respected a lot, which was Kirani James and LaShawn Merritt. And I knew what powerful athletes they were. So immediately in my head was like, you need to get away from this too as soon as possible mm. and as far as possible. And as we enter the re- as we as we proceeding from the courtroom to the the arena or to the track, um I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, gold medal, that's our goal. That's what we're gonna get. As you get closer to the track, you're like, ah, second place is so cool. Like I mean <laughs> um, being being the second best in the world is not a is not a, a, a bad thing. I mean I can still call myself the second best in mm. the entire world. We get closer to the track. I was like, ah bronze. Bronze is also possible because Kirani James It's on the podium. Merit, <laughs> Kirani James and Lesson Mirrored, they 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 lost to me last year and I'm sure they're not gonna take it lightly mm. this year. So bronze could work for me. Okay, let's settle with bronze. And we get closer to the track and I was like 
I'm in the finals. Like I, I'm here. This is a win for us. Like I'm already top eight in the world, and my goal is just starting to go down and down and down. You're like preparing <laughs> yourself so for, for the worst. worst case yeah, scenario, yeah. And as I got to the blocks, um, sitting on your marks, I went on my knees, said my prayer, and I was like, Lord, um, I leave this all in your hands. Um, let your will be done. And um, I just took a deep breath and released it all and I was like God I'm yours use me you put and that on your shoes as well hey yes um um yes that's exactly what I put on my shoes and I was like Jesus just use me whatever you have um in store for me here whatever you want me to represent for the kingdom at this moment I'm yours so if it's gold medal if it's bronze medal if it's top eight I'm yours use me whatever it is I'm satisfied I'm comfortable with it and the gun went and I think I just took off went the first 100 meter extremely hard and during the heats and the semifinals at the back straight I felt like a little twitch on my hamstring and in the finals I was very aware of that and I was like okay is the twitch here is it gonna come what's happening can I run yet no so until I got to the 200 meter mark and I realized um there's no twitch. There's no nothing happening. My body feels fine. It feels comfortable. And that's when I made the decision like, yo, get out of your head, start mm. running. And from the 200 meter mark until the finish line, I just went for it. And I remember for like, I don't know how seconds worked that time, but I'm going to call it a split second. Um, when I got to the 50 meters, took a split second and I realized that I have a little bit of lactic in my legs. And I was mm. like, there's no way. Because I knew Kirani James and LaShawn Merritt is not going to let me uh, just sprint away. Easy. Yeah. And that's when I just said, lock out and go. And I just pushed. I call that last 50 like a somewhat of an out of body experience. And God just said, yo, here you go. It's the extra window, extra blow. And I just felt like I started opening up that last 50 meters. And as I crossed the line, um, I was just happy I won. I don't know if mm. you if you if you look at some of the pictures and the highlights of me. I was looking to the left hand side and a lot of people think you look to the left hand side for the time or whatever else. I wasn't even aware or conscious of the of the time. I just made sure that Kirani James and LaShawn Merritt wasn't what knew, yeah. me or anything. <laughs> so um to me that was kind of the mentality. And as I crossed the line, I was like all oh, just grateful. Like I won the the race and this mean I got a gold medal and I just started feeling like a roar around me and I was like, yeah, I won. Cool. Yeah, I'm happy, everything. And I looked up and I just see the screen says world record and I just like, what? And the first thing I just thought was like, go on my knees and just thank God because that was the last thing I thought of. It was thing that I, I mean, yeah, it's possible, but I never really made it a goal. I mm. never really, it was never my purpose. It was never... Or I don't think purpose is the right word, but uh, it was never my goal, uh, mental like note that I put down to say like I'm breaking a world record. I just wanted to win and um, be a gold medalist. And with that came being a world record holder. And uh, what is it now? What, seven, eight years now that is still there? So... 
and I mean the um, guy that you broke it was his name is Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson, eh? yes. Michael he Johnson. set the record in 1999, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you broke it in 2016. Yeah, so I think that was also like 15, 15 or something years. Seven, I think 17, 17 years. Yeah, years, 17 which is years, insane yeah. for a record to hold that long. Yeah, yeah, and I think the best way to explain that achievement, um, my my sister actually uses that um, quote a lot now. Ignorance is a bliss. Like I think that was my strength in 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 the 400 meters specifically. I was very ignorant to the sport. I had no idea who Michael Johnson was. I know that he had a book. I know that it was very quick, and I know that he competed against Frankie Fredericks. And Frankie Fredericks was like South Africans' uh, hero. He's the one that we all supported, and we all wanted to be the champion. And I mean. Maybe it, it did come from a bit of a more biased uh, mentality because we all knew Frankie and we all wanted Frankie to win. So I only knew about Frankie. I never really knew that much about mm. Michael until after I broke the record. And I see that a bit as a, as a blessing because I was extremely ignorant to what he achieved before me. I had no idea how great of a 400-meter athlete he was. I knew that it was quick. I knew that his time was the world record. But I had no substance to that. And I think that helped me a lot because I never used to premeditate on what he's achieved and what I need to do to be the next best Michael Johnson or studies way of doing things. And and and, and I just went out to do me. and To be the best end, you could that, do. Yeah, and that ended up making me the current world, the record holder. I mean, I saw when you did win, mm-hmm. you kind of didn't even really smile that much. I think you yeah. you were probably so tired, <laughs> first of all. But um, yeah. I can't imagine what that must be like after running your heart out, looking up at the scoreboard and seeing that you are the fastest mm-hmm. human ever. ever. I think there's probably been, I think I saw something that said, I mean, there's seven, eight billion people now. Yeah. But in the, in the history of human beings, there's been a hundred <laughs> billion people or something like that, right? Yeah. To be the fastest person on earth over a specific kind of distance, right? The 400 meters, which is yeah. apparently what I've heard the hardest out of all One of the, the distances. Yeah. Um, must have been a mind-blowing experience and feeling. Yeah, I think um, if we speak off of what you just said now, um, it's one of the hardest and that's maybe one of the reasons why I did not celebrate because the first thing, so the year before, I don't know if you watched my races, the year before um, I had to be carried off with a stretcher because I was tired. So I was very like tired and um, I didn't have time to recover. And there was a bit of a miscommunication between myself and um, the medical staff on the on the track. And um, that then led to me having to leave off the, off the stage with um, a stretcher, but that was because of lactic and tiredness. And I didn't mentally prepare myself to uh, I'm winning a medal and I need to do victory mm. lap and everything. And this time around, my main focus was don't sit down, don't get tired and make sure that you don't allow your lactic to get the best. Yeah. Of you. So um, with the 400 meter comes kind of that mentality as well. So I didn't, I didn't still think, yo, you're a world record holder. You won the gold medal. I was just like, <sighs> The race is done. Don't sit down. Don't put yourself in a position now. And and in the in the back of my head, I was constantly like, okay, my family is over there. I need to get myself there, and that can be my recovery from um, not getting too sick or getting too tired. So the first thing I thought of was like to get to my family and as composed as possible, as quick as possible, so that 
um, I can use that as my extra breath at time to recover. Yeah. So that was my first act. So I see like now when I look at the at the videos and stuff like there was like no emotions of like I won or I'm happy or what. My mentality was just like get your family so you can recover. Get your family so you can recover. So that was kind of my mentality right after that. And when I finally got to them, that's when I could actually receive the celebration, like feeling and emotions and all that type of stuff. And and being the person that I am, I think I value that way more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I watched a video last night and they were saying the, the reason the 400 meter is so hard. And mm. the, in the video, they said it's the hardest out yeah. of all the track and field events in their opinion. It's extremely tough, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's true, but it's certainly one of the hardest. Um, they were saying that like the first 50 meters mm -hmm. is kind of like your body when you first hit the blocks mm -hmm. or run off the blocks, your body uh, produces so much energy and power within the first 50 meters and um, you can't sustain that throughout the whole race. Yeah, you can't. So you go full blast for the first 50 meters and then I think they said 50 to 200 meters. Um, if you go too hard, the lactic acid starts we'll to build up. Later on, yeah. um, so you don't run at your peak but yeah. at the same time, you don't want to let anyone else catch up. Catch up, yeah. Um, or you're trying to catch other people. Mm -hmm. um, and then they said the last like 50 to 100 meters is kind of just, just like, like the berserker zone. You just go as hard as you best. can. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's exactly it. I think every 400 meter athlete goes through that. I think if you look at the hundreds and the 200 meters, there you can go full out and reserve some energy. But in the in the in the 400 meters, if you go 100 meter 100 uh, percent from the get-go you will not make it to the fight no. to the finish line so there's a big management to it there's a a massive like knowing your fitness and knowing where you can uh attack and when you need to hold back and mm. so there's a big i guess you have a lot of time to think on what decisions you want to make here I saw another thing that said, um, it says here, on the 12th of March, 2016, Vanny Koch became the 107th athlete to break the 10 second barrier in the 100 meters. Mm -hmm. And then it says that made him the first individual to break 10 seconds for 100 meters, mm -hmm. 20 seconds for 200 meters, mm -hmm. and 44 seconds for 400 meters. Yeah, and you yeah. also have the world record for the 300 meters. Yes. So does that mean that you are the most well-rounded athlete within those um, yeah. divisions of yeah. all time. I guess it's also, it all depends on you and what your opinion is. I mean, for myself, I'd like to, I'd love to see myself as an all-rounded athlete because that's kind of, that's actually one of my favorite uh, achievements that I feel I've achieved, but it's not something that people really make. Take notes thing. of, yeah. yeah. So that's definitely one of my favorite achievements as an athlete is, I managed my career in a way where I tried to give every single event that I love the attention, but at the same time, I didn't take the one that was my strength for granted. And um, I still have so much more like goals and dreams for the 100 and 200. That's where my love is. That's where I would love to like break mm. uh, more barriers and enter more like challenge myself for the next few years is definitely in the one and two where at the same time the 400 meter is just my reality that's yeah way, it's just what you're the best way at. i'm the best at mm. and so that's kind of my mentality for these next few years is how i can balance that so that i can be a bit more one and two 
but at the same time not le- neglect my 400 meters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the one and 200 meters are the ones, especially the 100 meters, the one yes. that everyone looks at everyone because looks at. that is like the, the fastest of the fastest. The fastest of the fastest yeah. because it is the one race that allows you to go full mm-hmm. blast, mm-hmm. full strength, full speed from beginning to end. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it is. It it would be interesting to see you to compete there, but I think the 400. I mean, from what I've heard from yeah. the research I've done, yeah, yeah. just sounds to me, yeah, like the most brutal. And I think it's no, it's very tough. It's insane. It's yeah, very tough. The the one and two is fun. You can enjoy it. You can be like, I love this sport. Mm. If you do one and two. But the 400 meters is, it's my job I need to do. You know what I, mean? like, so. I even saw Bolt saying, my coach wants me to do the 400, but I don't want to yeah, do it. Like, almost yeah. every 400 meter athlete is looking for escape. Mm. If we, if someone would come to me now and give me one of those Saudi contracts. It's like I'm a gonna horror movie. Football. I'm going to play football over Dude, 400 I'd, meters. I'd like, love to see you play football, just, man. Or rugby just, even. Just, <laughs> just see you like sprint past everyone. It would be insane. So so that's just uh, the 400 meter. But I mean, this is my gift. This yeah. is my God-given blessing, my gift, my talent. And um, like we spoke about earlier, this window. And I need to make sure that I reap as much as I can out of this window and represent the kingdom as best as I can. And just coming towards the end, man, I want to know if you could design mm-hmm. the perfect athlete. Athlete. To a uh, perfect sprinter. Okay. Okay. If you could design the perfect sprinter, right? Yeah. Taking attributes from existing athletes, past and present. Okay. Who would, how would you make that person? Are we talking physique or we yeah, talking so I'm saying qualities? Like, so I'm saying like qualities, physiques, like okay. if you had okay. to take a sprint to say like Bolt's legs, yes, 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 Michael yes. Gatlin's agility or strength, um, your speed. If you ask me, like if the first three athletes that come to mind when you mention what you just mentioned now is Usain Bolt, Asafa Powell and Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. Those are three athletes that when I watch them, it's like, you know, when you're watching the likes of a, a, a Ren- Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi mm. or a Ronaldinho, like they give me that feel. Like those are, they gave me that emotions when I watched the sport. So in terms of the personalities and the people and, and what they've achieved, um, I'd like that aura around me in terms of like the Usain Bolt, the Safa Paul and mm. the Shelian because everyone just loves them. And then in terms of physique, probably have to be Usain. He just has that powerful physique. I'd mix it up with a Safa Paul as well. Um, explosivity. I was a Safa Paul again. Um, in terms of mentality, I actually, I don't know why Justin Gatlin comes to mind. It's just like his mentality is very like, he was a power. He was tough. Say. He was tough. Like you can't just shake him no. around. Like he just constantly kept him. And then um, Lashawn Merritt also had that mentality in term in the four hundred meters. Like you can throw anything at them, but they just kept coming back. Um, so that kind of that resilience was insane for me. Um, yeah, like in terms of what else is there. What what other what other qualities would you say you'd you'd give me as as? There would categories? be like agility, speed. Okay, we don't really use agility that much because of reflexes, maybe, especially getting off the line. Reactions. Who's got the best reaction time reaction, off the line? I feel I I really like the way uh, 
Asafa Powell, and then more recent athlete is um, Coleman, which is also powerful, powerful. Mm. But I love the way Bromel um, comes out of the blocks. And then a person that I would actually emulate, um, like kind of emulate or try and steal from in terms of their technique and so on is um, the Italian boy Jacobs. I really love the way how clean he looks when he runs and, and he's, he's got technique. a good style. Yeah, yeah. But Asafa Paul is my, is like my person that I kind of visualized when I came through as an athlete. And then at the same time, Usain was one of the athletes that I just like admired a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just the last question I want to know, mm -hmm. is there anyone that you're worried about at the Olympics in your categories? That's a, that's always such a tough question to answer. Um, because I don't know, I, I always take it back to myself. Like who would have thought a South African boy would come out and be the most all-rounded athlete that would be so threatening in the 400 meters. Mm -hmm. Like nobody pictured a South African to do something like that. If I enter a track, like guys know it's either I have to give my best or I'm going to get beat. Like... I never ever pictured that I would be that person. We'd 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 put the likes of the Americans, the Jamaicans. Um, I mean, you could even say maybe the UK to extend. Um, but nowhere would you ever say a South African would be a powerhouse in a sprinting, mm. um, in a sprinting event. So, if you ask me that question, I really struggle because I came kind of from a place where nobody expected it. So who am I to say, okay, this person is the one that I'm scared of or this person that I'm, but when, but if you're going to put down respectable times and you're going to put down um, threatening times, I'm going to be alert towards you and I'll use you as my motivation and pushing myself and challenging myself. So I don't sleep on anyone. I don't uh, try and take anyone too light mm, um, for granted I, I mean even if i do my national championships now i'm giving every single athlete that i'm about to compete with the respect even though most of them are only running 44 seconds which i can do anytime so um i'm I, I i'm always alert and aware that this person might just give his best performance because i know once people compete against me it's my throat. They wanna. They wanna. Um, they, you don't have someone you're chasing. Yeah. But yeah. they've got that hunger they because they're chasing you. Me, so yeah. I'm never taking anyone for granted. Incredible, man. Yeah. I think you couldn't have answered that any better. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for coming down here today. No problem. It's such a pleasure to meet you yeah. and uh, myself, and I'm sure the whole of South Africa. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to watch you and see what you do in the future, man. For sure, man. I just want to take a moment to tell you. So congratulations for what you've been doing and just constantly keep sharing that South African stories that will inspire uh, the next generation. And I'm so glad and honored that I can be part of, I guess, your sporting intro to where you go yeah. next. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> and thank you all for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wide Awake Podcast and I'll see you all very soon. Cheers. Cool.